0: another episode of Palm Crit 101. As always, I'm your friendly neighborhood intensivist, Dr. J. And I am really excited to bring today's episode to you. Instagram has been a really great uh, community um, for me, particularly as far as medical education goes. But what I really love about Instagram is that you're able to connect with other like-minded individuals. And that's why I'm so excited about today's episode. I have the opportunity of sharing with you all, um, a pulmonary critical care physician from actually the other side of the country, uh, Dr. Michael Schweitzer, who is going to kind of give us a little bit of background about his career in pulmonary critical care medicine and kind of his journey and what his interests are. So welcome, Dr. Schweitzer. Thank
1: you so much, Dr. J. It's it's really a pleasure to be here and I couldn't agree more. I, I, I set up my Instagram account a few months ago. Um, mm-hmm. I'm currently in the process of transitioning um, from full term, or excuse me, full service, active duty army um, mm-hmm. into the civilian sector and, and joining you and, and many other colleagues mm-hmm. <laughs> in uh, in real medicine, not just uh, army medicine. So I, I'm very excited. But, you know, part of that transition uh, has been that I you know, and, and stepping outside of my my typical hospital. And okay. I used to spend a lot of time working with residents um, okay. at my institution. It's a Madigan Army Medical Center in um, Tacoma, Washington, up near Seattle. And so I, I really enjoy medical education personally, uh, always have. And actually, uh, you know, applied to be a chief resident mm-hmm. uh, at my institution. And then my my buddy, my best friend from residency, actually, like two weeks before applying, he jumped in threw his name in the ring, and of course, he was he was well fitted for the job. And so, I, I've always had kind of this place in my heart that I wanted to keep working on, you know, being able to to teach and, yeah. and be a part of that. So it's been really cool, um, you know, building building kind of like the my page, and and then it's really been awesome. Uh, Meeting you and kind of seeing the variety Mm
0: -hmm.
1: of like you know the way that you teach is extremely in depth. It's when I read what you have to post about, I learn all kinds of important information, and then it's also cool because like the way that you present it is there's some minutia there that I can learn from, and so it's versus my my uh, my page is much more about you know educating you know, people who are even interested in considering uh-huh. going into medicine. Uh, so it's so cool how, like, our personalities come through and, and, right. and stuff. So I just thought that was – I really appreciate you, you know, kind of giving me uh, that introduction. It's been really neat meeting you via that that platform and kind of thinking that I I wouldn't have talked to you otherwise. So that's cool. <laughs> exactly. Uh, other than maybe at, at Chester, American Thoracic right. Society or, or something. So um, – but yeah, so now that I'm, now that I'm kind of stepping back from dealing, working with residents, dealing with residents, um, <laughs> you know, full-time now, now I'm, my, this kind of void of, I want to continue medical education mm-hmm. uh, has spurred me to, to develop my Instagram page and I'm still kind of working on how to best, uh, best adapt it for, you know, my audience. So anyways, I appreciate it.
0: Uh, from, well,
1: from my. Well, tell me. Sorry.
0: Tell me for those because there's a lot of followers I think who who may not be aware of your what what is your handle? What's your Instagram handle?
1: Oh yes, uh it's doc mm-hmm. D-O-C underscore um mick swizzle. So doc underscore McSwizzle M C S W I Z Z L E.
0: Okay, great. Because I, <laughs> I really think I mean, I really think people should follow your page because I really enjoy those questions of the day that you do and, you know, I'll be honest, I was doing similar stuff for a while, but I can't keep up with it. And for those of you listening, uh, Dr. Schweitzer posts, I think pretty much every day you post a question of the day and they're good clinical case scenarios with excellent explanations. So good like little tidbits to, you know, learn from on the go. Um, So I I have definitely enjoyed uh, seeing your page um, grow. Uh, Thank you. Of course. But I wanted to, you mentioned um, about army medicine. So I I have no um, exposure to that whole kind of side of things. H- how did you get into that? What is it like? How is it different from, you know, a civilians? So t- tell me a little bit more about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I um, I
1: had, uh, my, my father was in the Air Force. He was a mm-hmm. career Air Force officer. And, uh, and then both my grandparents had been in the military. So kind of the the military, I guess, mindset or something was in my blood ever since I was a kid. Because I, okay. I grew up on military bases, you know, okay. would see fighter jets flying overhead and stuff. And I, I was just always excited about that. And so mm-hmm. uh, I, I decided when I was young, I want to be just like my dad. Mm-hmm. And I want to, uh, you know, just like many kids. Uh, Uh, I want to join the join the Air Force and, you know, serve my country, do my duty and and all those good things. Um, I wasn't actually super interested in medicine. Um, Mm -hmm. I always was interested in science, biology, uh, not the greatest at math, but enough, obviously, to get (laughs) by. Yeah. Uh, And so so I was like, okay, well, I I think I want to join the military, you know, right out of uh, high school, do college through ROTC okay and uh, and my dad said don't do that (laughs) unless you are really sure that you you want that to be kind of your final step Mm -hmm. Um, because every you can get have your education paid for and you get a lot of benefits and things but you also then accumulate years of of service Um, and so he's like yeah you know make the make the benefit as good as it possibly can be okay um so i i did college um and then started uh you know i was just, by the time i was in college i was already planning on becoming a doctor mm-hmm. um had decided to instead of becoming a fighter pilot which was my original goal like uh was the oh, okay i'll take the second best thing and, and yeah you know, become <laughs> a, a doctor i guess uh-huh. <laughs> and uh actually it's funny i if, if i have a second yeah i, I was like i'm six foot uh well six foot two i used to say six foot three but i'm probably six foot two and a half i guess okay Uh, and the you know the increased distance from your heart to your brain uh uh, means that as you pull intense g-forces in Uh a fighter jet you actually you know you you reduce your effective cardiac output essentially um, because your 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 pump is pushing against more gravitational resistance. And mm-hmm. so you pass out faster if you're taller. That's why a lot of fighter pilots are actually shorter. Uh and so my dad's okay. like, Mike, Michael, you're not you're not going to be a fighter pilot because you're too tall. It's just, you know, it's not going to be, it's not going to happen. Uh, so that was when I was in high school. I'm like, okay, I guess I should probably that's that's something I can't change. You know right. uh, and I wouldn't not that I'd want to or something like that. So I'm like, okay. I have to think of a, a different career path. Anyways, in my last year of fellowship, this super tall guy, he's like six foot four, maybe six foot five, uh-huh. um, comes into my clinic and he had had asthma or something like that. And I was asking him what he does and he flies F-16s around Washington, D.C. Oh, C. no. <laughs> and I
0: was
1: like, what? Are you kidding me? My, my dad said I couldn't do it. Oh, man. So, it's anyways. a a lie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now, God. I think i'm really really happy with the the way things went but yeah that's just a a silly little aside there um so anyways back to back to the idea of uh of you know military medicine and kind Uh of what how you get into that and stuff so when when uh and i think it's pretty similar still when i joined uh the army i did it before uh before i started medical school after i received my acceptance letter so at that. At that point, I um, started communicating with the Army, the Air Force, the Navy, okay. uh, and saying, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in your health professional scholarship program, HPSP yep. uh, program. Mm-hmm. And and at that point, and I, I think it's still pretty much the same, I, from what I understand, as long as you had an acceptance into medical school, mm-hmm. they, they basically said, okay, here's your Here's your full ride scholarship to medical school, um, including a little signing bonus and a stipend every month to make sure that you have, you know, place to live and you can pay for your books. And actually, okay. they they reimburse you for a bunch of like books and things. It's, it's actually a really nice scholarship. And then the payback is that mm-hmm. you then trade four years of active duty service okay. for them, um, which means that. After you complete your residency or residency and fellowship, mm-hmm. then you you serve four years um, after training.
0: Okay. So uh,
1: that that time during training does not really count towards paying off your uh, the scholarship that that you earned. And um, so it, it's, it it becomes kind of an interesting numbers game, you know of. Okay, I do, you know, if you do internal medicine, you do three years, Right. then you serve four years right afterwards and then you're done. But if you do general surgery in the army, Mm -hmm. um, and I believe it's the same with all the other services, they do, they have an obligatory research year. um, So it ends up being six years. And so then you, you end up actually serving the longer of the two, uh, you know, b- based okay, on either if it's it. training or if it's your, or if it's your, um, medical school. Right. So, so it kind of becomes a little bit of a numbers game. And then it also, you know, becomes a little bit of a numbers game of like, okay, well now I'm looking at how much time in order to be able to do a full mm-hmm. retirement. I've got, you know, time at the institution where I practice and there's a lot of different factors that go into it. Um, yeah, so that was that was kind of my thing. I, I always wanted to be in the military, and okay. it ended up being a really, a very extremely good opportunity and, and option for me. Mm-hmm. And I feel, you know, very, very pleased with uh, the experience that I got. So I, I trained. Um, I went to I went to medical school in, in West Virginia, or as some of my friends like to say, West by God, Virginia. <laughs> <All> <laughs> and... Right. Uh, <laughs> and and then I did my residency in um, in El Paso, Texas. Okay. Uh, at, a, at a little place called um, William Beaumont Army Medical Center, and then I did my my fellowship. I I didn't take a you know any gap year or time uh-huh. in between or anything like that. I just did right into fellowship at uh, Walter Reed.
0: Okay. Um, wow.
1: Which is in uh, Bethesda, Maryland, and um, and then I went into practice and and was sent to Madigan Army Medical Center, okay. where I've been since then. Um, and
0: so they direct yeah. where you uh, like they direct where your first job is once you're done fellowship. Yes. OK. Yes,
1: they do. Okay. Um, and that's that's a very, very important. You know, I, I really appreciate you asking mm-hmm. that question because you do lose a lot of autonomy. Okay. Um, you know, when you're when you're in the military and it's actually uh it's kind of can be good and and it because it takes some of off, off of your plate as far as like okay now i i just finished my mm-hmm. you know residency where am i mm-hmm. where am i going to go after this or why i just finished my fellowship where am i going to go it's like oh no here you're assigned to okay. x y or z duty station uh, and and so that's got its its pros and cons i have some you know i have colleagues who when they finished their internal medicine training they mm-hmm. were sent to uh You know like small clinics in remote areas in the united states and didn't get a you know practice hospital medicine so there's there's pros and cons uh and your your experience (laughs) can vary very greatly i was extremely lucky uh i feel like but uh but yeah um and it's cool too because one of the things like about my training Mm -hmm. so when i was at walter reed they, they had a lot of agreements with um, other institutions. So, okay. you know, like I I did a couple of months at Georgetown. I did a couple of okay. months at a very hospital cool. called Suburban. And uh-huh. I did like several months at the NIH and very and cool. stuff. So I got, got a lot of different like exposure. Yeah. Oh, I, I got to work at Shock Trauma in, in Baltimore, which was wow. like a very interesting uh (laughs) interesting experience. like tons and tons of airways on people yeah just got shot and stuff so it's i think that you're you know the exposure that you can get from the military is is really incredible uh Mm -hmm. and they they can uh you know they can pay for a lot you know that they they have a a almost unlimited amount of funding so i've got colleagues who they wanted to do you know they're they're cardiologists mm-hmm. and they want to do like an interventional year or an interventional slash structural year or two however long it is mm-hmm. uh the army just pays you know so they get to go to the coolest oh. places and the army's like okay well you have an extra fellow this year we're just going to mm-hmm. pay them and wow. so the, the some of these training opportunities are, are really incredible for you know like me like this yeah i went to
0: <laughs> you know i mean that's like, amazing uh... like walter reed i can't even imagine the cases that you must have seen or been a part of there um especially from a procedural standpoint and just the experiences that you must have had. from the medicine side of things do you especially now that you are kind of you're done with training and you're essentially in the workforce now what in what ways do you think or if any um coming from a military background do you think that there have been things that you um benefited from that maybe the rest of us maybe did not get um differences in practice or um just how things were done
1: um yeah yeah i think that uh i think that the some of the benefits you know as far as practice variety mm-hmm. definitely come from the fact that, you know, I, I, I at least personally got to go to two different institutions from residency to, to okay. fellowship. So like where I did my residency was a, a medium-sized army hospital. We actually stayed pretty busy, mm-hmm. but we didn't have any fellows. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, during my, during my ICU months, during my cardiology months, I got to do all the procedures without any kind of anyone kind of you know buddy, me out of the way like hey this is my chest tube or this right. is my intubation or or whatnot. So that was really uh that was kind of cool. Um I would say what's interesting uh from like a practice standpoint mm-hmm. is that I actually think I, I think that the you know medicine medicine is so Trying to think of the best way to say this it's so similar in so many different okay. places is what yep. I, I like I, I kind of i was always really intimidated like oh i'm gonna go work at you know georgetown i'm sure they're right. like so different i'm right. sure they've everyone's there's uh, you know brilliant and they, they've got like all kinds of cool special
0: mm-hmm.
1: ways of uh you know protocols and ways of managing things and in general i, I kind of found that like on all these different places i went it's basically bread and butter. And then every place has a little bit of flavor that oh, we, we like that. Exactly. Uh, we like ket- ketamine a little better mm-hmm. or, you know, phenobarbital yep. or what whatnot. So I, I kind of found that to be in a way it was like, it was actually very exciting and took a lot of my nerves away. Mm-hmm. Once I realized, wow, everyone, everyone kind of has the same basic strategy for management. And as we have more and more connection and as like the dissemination of knowledge and information becomes so much more seamless i feel like a lot of those kind of like institutional barriers
0: mm-hmm.
1: are are breaking down yep. in a good way yeah. you know which is so cool uh, and so so yeah i think i think those were some of the some of the benefits from i guess the, the military and also just being able to kind of rotate during my fellowship at a lot of yeah. different places um i i think that uh what was I going to say? Oh, I lost my thought. So I'll well, <laughs> I
0: have a follow-up question. Um, sure. I am very curious to know what has your COVID, or what was your COVID experience like at, you know, practicing in the military? Because I, I actually have not met anyone who's who was um, in a military hospital during that time. So I'm very curious to know what it was like.
1: All right. Um, so let me preface this by saying these, uh, what I say is, is, just my own thoughts mm-hmm. and you know, not, not specifically, I'm not speaking as a representative of, of the United States Army or government or anything like that, just in case this is publicly listened to yeah. uh, and which I'm sh- obviously it is. So uh, we, we, had a, uh, we had a really interesting kind of dilemma because we were, we were uh, being in Tacoma um, when COVID came to the United States, mm-hmm. one of the first places that it was was just north of us up in Seattle. Right. And they were absolutely overwhelmed with, uh, with COVID. Right. Um, it's kind of seemed like it, it was transmitted to one of their nursing facilities and then mm-hmm. it just kind of spread like wildfire from there. Um, and so we just, you know, we started basically piling up our resources and making our our management plan from a strategic standpoint. Okay. How is our ICU going to expand? How is, you know, it's coming, it's coming. We are, we're about to get overwhelmed with patients and overrun. Um, how are we going to, how are we going to manage this? Mm -hmm. And, um, and then interestingly, it, it, it was very odd. It's like, it almost like passed passed us by like, and, and, and a lot of us were, you know, we, we had, you know, we had, Five, six intubated patients in yeah. our ICU with COVID—that kind of a thing. But we never really hit that critical mass that wow. a lot of other institutions hit, and and it was actually—and uh, this is not to take away from anyone else's mm-hmm. COVID experience, but it was it was almost worse for a lot of us. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll explain why I say that in a second. But it was almost worse for a lot of us because we just kind of sat there like. Okay, you know when when are we going to run out of PPE? Right. When are we going to run out of? And like, how are we should be we should be our patients? We need to take mm-hmm. civilian patients, and we didn't really have we weren't authorized because as soon as we opened up and said okay, we can take you know other facilities' patients, then I guess then we would have hit the, that critical yeah. point. I'm, I, I this this is all way echelons above my pay grade for right. sure. <laughs> okay. um, as to like why the decisions were made but but you know from a from a numbers perspective Mm -hmm. we just kept hearing okay it's you're you have five patients now but you're going to have you know 25 and then it's going to be 75 there was this whole exponential thing that was predicted it was going to happen um and at at our institution uh it it never really hit there um and so so i think that was actually emotionally kind of more difficult because then there's almost like this not survivor but like um this like okay. guilt associated like yeah. we should be doing more you know right. with doctors this is we're pulmonary critical care doctors this is right. literally like our disease
0: yeah <laughs> and
1: yet we're sitting here you know nervous about how it's going to get bad but not really so i i was spared okay that in a in kind of an unusual way but i um i actually was uh sent to replace another doctor mm-hmm. on a mission the island of guam
0: okay Um, wow
1: so i i got a call um that the um that the field hospital that was associated with my kind of a more of a organizational term but we have a we have an attached field hospital which is um you know, involves some of the doctors in the hospital and some of the nurses and some of the respiratory therapists and stuff. And they, they should be capable of mobilizing anywhere in the world, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and setting up a hospital and then being able to provide care on whatever battlefront, um, exists, you know, and so Mm -hmm, that field hospital was mobilized. Um, you, you get kind of designated which which unit you're in because I'm I'm in the army so mm-hmm. I belong I belong to Madigan the hospital okay. but some people are actually they work at Madigan mm-hmm. but then they get designated that they are a part of a different unit um, okay. so for some people they get designated that they're a part of the the field hospital some people are actually parts of units that are scattered throughout the United States Okay. Um, which is also kind of interesting because like if that unit decides that it needs to Deploy overseas to deal with a crisis. Mm-hmm. Then, even though you're not with them 24/7, you're you're like on call to to be deployed okay. with them. So that's kind of an interesting thing too. Um, but yeah, so the the field hospital got mobilized uh, to Guam, and they had a fresh graduate uh, okay. of our internal medicine residency. Fantastic. Uh, doctor but she literally just graduated like a couple months before that and she was an internal medicine doctor and they said uh oh yeah we need an we need an intensivist uh, Uh to help with our our icu and uh instead they they got her okay and when she arrived they were like cool you're our our new intensivist and she's like well actually I'm uh, internal mm-hmm. medicine doctor, not <laughs> an intensivist. And they're like, what? Why, why uh, how did this get lost yeah. in translation? Uh, and so then it, on like a day or two's notice, I got called and they said, hey, uh, you need to fill in for this person because they're not an intensivist and the Guam hospital mm-hmm. needs an intensivist. Right. Um, and so in order to kind of save a little bit of face, uh, I, I got to go. Um, okay. So, which was, yeah it was it was incredible uh yeah i got to i got to kind of solo manage uh it was like a 20-bed icu okay. in Guam that that expanded out to a few other units because the numbers were you know rather high right. there and uh and so i i got to kind of solo manage that which was um an excellent opportunity because you know at, at my institution i i'm a Staff and we have mm-hmm. residents and we have interns and we have medical students mm-hmm. and everything and so my hands-on patient care is is a little bit scaled back as I'm sure right. you probably right. experienced at different places yes. and and there I got to be everything you know back the in the trenches student all the way up to the staff yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah exactly great. so um, so that was that was really cool and that that's one of the neat things about the military is you have these periodically there'll be these opportunities that. You can go do really cool stuff, Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, it's also, I can't say that at the time when I got that call on a Thursday, Mm -hmm. and I was expecting, it was like pretty close to my birthday, I think it was like maybe even the weekend before that, I was like expecting Uh like, oh, cool, you know, I've got, I got plans, I've got, I had other, you know, locums opportunities and things set up. Uh, and then it's like, oh nope, you're going, and you're on a plane on uh, Monday, and here's a bunch of vaccinations you need to get. <laughs> and wow! Bada bing, bada boom. So it's uh, it's it's one of those experiences where you, you have to be um, you got to be flexible. Yeah. And 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 I think that's that's been the probably the greatest thing I've ever the greatest uh experience I ever had was was getting to go to Guam for that period and then actually after I finished I, I had enjoyed it so much and mm-hmm. I really liked working with the people there I said hey if you guys need help again in the future like
0: mm-hmm.
1: call, call the army That's <laughs> great. ask them for Michael Switzer." Yeah. so then they they did they called like three months later and so I got to go back oh, again wow. and, okay and uh and help on you know on the second time um and so it was uh, it was really cool. And the way that we the way it was organized on the first mission to assist was we had a uh, we had that field hospital. So we had mm-hmm. a bunch of nurses. We had a bunch of respiratory therapists. We had a couple doctors. Uh, and the second time that we went, it was all right. It's uh, it's you. <laughs> it's me yeah. and, and another another uh, intensivist. He works at the um, he works at the burn center. Um, and that and so was just Texas, two of you. So
0: for the yeah we, wow we, okay uh
1: and and we didn't obviously we didn't perform the respiratory therapist functions and nursing right. functions and all that stuff but we we filled in to to augment um uh, the the one intensivist or pulmonary intensivist mm-hmm. who's uh who works at that hospital you know she was just she needed some some yeah. more assistance and so we were able to to facilitate and and i think that was really nice because we we had provided you know, basically our, our our unit that we mm-hmm. were with was able to fill in in the hospital get oriented and just start hit, hitting the ground running which was fantastic mm-hmm. you know the infrastructure was there they needed personnel um and we we were able to bring some equipment and ppe and stuff like that with us which was cool oh, too but but the big thing they really need was was able bodies and people who are willing to work hard and and we were so that was a. Uh, yeah, that was that's that's that was really awesome. awesome
0: to hear. Um, I want to shift gears just a little bit <laughs> and tell mm-hmm. me, you know, in pulmonary critical care, you know, there's what I love about our specialty is that we can do so much and you can kind of design your job. Um, you can tailor it to your interests. So do you find that you like pulmonary more or critical care more or it's about a 50 50 split for you?
1: Oh, the, the, the big question. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I, I personally lean towards the critical care side of, okay. uh, of things. Um, and, you know, I, I enjoy pulmonary. I enjoy mm-hmm. inpatient pulmonary. Uh, outpatient pulmonary is lovely because you, as you know, you, you have your own patients. Right. You have your own practice. You can design, you know, how you want to kind of care for people and and you get these people that you see for years and years and years and it's like you're basically meeting with an old friend uh, right
0: exactly you know
1: maybe a couple times a year which is which is really cool um so i i I like that uh the downside is is that you know if that person doesn't like you very much it's like you're you're seeing your own enemy again oh yeah
0: yeah i just dealt with that this week Yep. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> you always uh, get a bad egg. It's okay. Yeah, every every once
1: in a while. Yep. I, I think what's – I'm really impressed, too, by those who are capable of doing both pulmonary and critical care, like, at the uh, – y- you know, in, in, like, a 50-50 split. Mm-hmm. Because I've always found it really interesting, like, the, the, the time – And like the time refraction that kind of happens. Like when you're in the ICU, things go by so fast. You okay, got to do this, got to do this, got to do this, got to do this. And people's lives are on the line. And, uh, you know, lives, limbs, eyesight, all that stuff. And then you go to the clinic. And if you spend like an additional 10 or 15 minutes talking to somebody. And then the next person's like, hey, you're wasting my time here. I can't believe you made me wait 15 minutes. And I'm like, seriously, I I just... Like I was in the ICU saving somebody's life, you know or whatever. So I, I'm always like I'm really impressed by those who can do a good job of like managing that that kind of weird like time dilation that happens between the ICU and and pulmonary practices. It's um, almost
0: what, what... It, I was just gonna comment it's almost because that's actually how my practice is. Um, i'm I'm in the units most morning at the hospital and then I go to office in the afternoon. And it's almost like a, like a dissociative experience. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the other day we coded someone, you know, it was a bad code. And then I had to run off to the office and everything just was slow. And, you know, um, oh, I need my my inhalers for COPD in <laughs> three months, you know. And then next day back to the same thing. So... It's I like it because it kind of gives me a break from that constant go 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 with the units with the ICU. But I agree, yes. it definitely you you definitely have to kind of reset yourself um, with with each new location that you're at.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting. You kind of like center. <laughs> you're like, okay, mm-hmm. cool. Now yep. I'm in my clinic, and now this is my this is my pace. This is my mindset. This yes. is how I like. I, you know, I succeed here versus when I'm in the ICU, I have to be at this different, like, it's almost like shifting gears, I guess. Uh, So so.
0: now that you tell me that critical care is kind of your preference, I'm curious, and I'm sure others would like to know too, do you have a favorite procedure that you like to do?
1: Ooh. Goodness. I have a least favorite procedure. Okay, the radio radial arterial line.
0: <laughs> I think that's uh, everyone's least favorite.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm not too special there.
0: So, I love I
1: I adore and this is maybe this is too simple or basic, but uh-huh. I love doing a thoracentesis. I always have Okay. It's it just so satisfying for me. Okay. Um, and and the the reason that I like it so much is it's that fixed space, you know, like uh-huh. compared to a paras- paracentesis. Yep. So the Thora, most of the time, people haven't had a lot of them. I mean, I, not always, clearly our, you know, lung cancer and our, our recurrent effusions, we get to do them all the time for right. those people and they get used to it. But a lot of times it's person's first thoracentesis. And I position myself, as everyone else does, behind the patient. Right. I drain off the fluid and I'm chatting with them and talking with them, having a good old time. And then as I'm doing the procedure, a lot of times they're breathing, you know, they start to feel like it improves. And then sometimes, of course, they cough and right. then they have a little coughing episode, you know, after you take out the catheter and stuff. And then it's like a little bit worse, but then it gets better. But, mm-hmm. you know, th- that sensation, like that they have that immediate immediate relief. And then you you show them that bag of fluid and you're like, look at this. I took this yep. from your, I always say I took it from your lungs, even though it's not true, but I'm like, I took this from your lungs, you right. know, not your thoracic cavity, but, and they're like, Whoa, are you serious? Yep. I, Every uh, time. I know you've had this procedure. It's yep. just so satisfying. It's like, it's really enjoyable to me, uh, their reaction. And then, you know, being able to kind of like talk to them during the procedure mm-hmm. is, is fun. Um, I, of course I love, I love the classics, you know. A, a nice suction bronchoscopy is mm-hmm. always good. Central line, always fun and stuff like that. But there's just something so satisfying about a thoracentesis. And and my, my best friend, uh, when I told him that I got into pulmonary critical care fellowship, he was like, "Dude, I knew you were, <laughs> I knew you were gonna do that from the beginning. Ever since you did your first thoracentesis, and you're all like jazzed about it." I was like, "Oh, that's that's a bit of a you know." It might be a little pushing it but <laughs> it is to me it's the most exciting procedure what about what about yourself sorry so uh,
0: it's funny that you mentioned thoras because i actually cannot stand them, <laughs> send I, them
1: just send them send them all the way to the west I coast absolutely, to
0: i absolutely oh. will i just you know plural disease that whole section is just not my thing and once yes. i've did enough to get comfortable with them. I said no more. IR can do the rest of them. <laughs> but I will tell you that that gratifying feeling I get that with um, bronchoscopy. Um, mm. Anyone who works with me and I've said this multiple times, I am an absolute fiend when it comes to bronchoscopy. I love being in the bronch suite. <laughs> and a good suction bronch or a good airway clearance, it is the most satisfying thing ever um yes yeah so that's so the way you feel about Thoras. i mean i don't get to talk to my patients but that's okay
1: Um, (laughs) sometimes that's better right yes yes
0: that but that's how i feel about about bronx i just I, i i really enjoy doing them so if yeah if i were to be asked what my favorite procedure was um definitely definitely bronchoscopy so well, the nice thing too for the uh-huh. bronchoscopy
1: is like that atelectatic lung or whatever. Yes. And then you suction out that big mucus plug oh, and yes. then you get the x ray right afterwards. And it's like, look at that. I did that. It's like completely, you know, the white it out.
0: Yep. like, Half of
1: their lung is now open. You're like, that was me. I, I
0: even, you know, I mean, I can't you and I both know. Better. Yeah. You and I both know that doing these Bronx you know, it's a five second thing. It's so simple. But then I, I'll always show my residents that, you know, look, this is what we did. And I'm so proud. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But so I wanted to thank you, Dr. Schweitzer for uh, coming on today and and chatting with me. Um, I think this was really great. Uh, I think it gave uh, everyone a, a little bit of an insight into what military medicine is like. And again, like I said before, um, The Instagram community, I mean, I don't think we would have ever connected if it wasn't for essentially social media. Um, But I want everyone to uh, tell us your handle again.
1: It's doc underscore mcswizzle. So that's D-O-C underscore M-C-S-W-I-Z-Z-L-E.
0: Excellent. So everyone should follow um, Dr. Schweitzer at doc underscore Mixwizzle, and definitely take a look at his questions of the day because they are very good they it's excellent content that he's sharing and don't forget to follow me at Crit 101 and if you have any questions or uh, comments um, you can also email me at poemcrit101 at gmail.com and I will be back next week with another crazy episode thanks Dr. Schweitzer
1: thank you so much I really appreciate your time have a great day